0: Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career-minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement my name is tony tolbert and i've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years i'm the creator of CareerMovesecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that i designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market i will add my perspective to the conversation and together with my guests we hope to provide some genuine actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move thanks for joining us today (music) Welcome to episode 26 of Career Move Secrets. Today's guest is Jeff Altman. Jeff is known as the Big Game Hunter. He's a career and leadership coach who's worked as a recruiter for more than 40 years. He's also the host of No BS, Job Search Advice Radio, the number one podcast in iTunes for job search with more than 1,900 episodes, I hear. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Fabulous. Thank you. Excellent. It's good to have you on. And, and whereabouts are you in the world, Jeff? You're obviously in the States somewhere, but.
1: In the U.S., in North Carolina, in a small town in the western part of the states called
0: Asheville. Wow. And what's, what's life like there at the moment? Are you on lockdown? Are any restrictions, or is, is life relatively normal?
1: It, it's always complicated during a time like this. For us, we don't have anywhere near the cases that the major cities have. Mm-hmm. But we still have a few thousand people have been affected. We have fewer than 100 fatalities in the mm-hmm. area. So uh, low risk, but, you know, both my wife and I are high risk individuals. So we've had to make choices about staying uh, in lockdown and being very cautious rather than put my wife, for example, at risk who had heart surgery during this time.
0: Wow. Uh, Yeah. 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 Definitely. uh, Yeah. My my radar would be right towards the uh, reduce the risk uh, scenario there. So I'm glad you're doing the same. Uh, Jeff, obviously, I, I've researched you and I came across you a number of years ago, you know, particularly for your your podcast, which is, is well known. And uh, as I say, lots and lots going on there. But uh, of course, my listeners might not know so much about you. So could you give me the the sort of career history, if you want?
1: I started recruiting back in the stone ages when dinosaurs (laughs) roamed the earth. Uh, It was in the early 1970s where I stumbled into the career in search uh, by answering an ad in a newspaper with a headline of management trainee, inexperienced preferred. And started my career at that point, started my first business a year and a half later, uh, sold it to someone or sold my interest in it uh, to someone, started another firm. It's like a boutique operation for a while. Uh, But all told, I've worked in search for more than 40 years, filled more than 1,200 full-time positions, plus consulting assignments. Uh, Along the way, I became interested in doing it differently than a lot of others. And with that, uh, developed a practice that was really geared toward delivering things to job hunters that they normally weren't getting, which in the States, in New York, during a lot of that period of time, it was a difficult business. And um, I fully transitioned into coaching a few years ago, where I no longer do search. uh, But I take all the knowledge that I have from working in search, uh, from my master's, uh, in social work from my postgraduate training at the Institute of Modern Psychoanalysis and construct strategies and tactics for people that advantage them throughout the process. So I'm a little bit complicated, uh, for the typical recruiter. Uh, it's not the usual background. And I also started the podcast, uh, almost 10 years ago in November of 2020 will be the 10th anniversary of the show. It's a seven day a week podcast. Uh, I also started doing video, which you can find at jobsearchtv.com with thousands of videos about different elements of job search uh, designed to help people. Mm -hmm. And as I said, now I coach, I have a number of books out, uh, but I've pulled back most of the job search books uh, recently because I found that they were dated. I have the first one in a number of years that's gonna be out later this year about interviewing. uh, And there are gonna be others that I'm already in process with uh, that will be following so
0: that 's very interesting actually, and it raises an interesting point because you 've been in recruitment twice as long as I have um, and you know you raise that, that, that issue of, of keeping things current. You must have seen an awful lot of changes in in the recruitment piece and in job searching how people go about the, the whole thing you know there must have been an awful amount of change during during your time
1: well yes and The one thing that hasn't changed, interestingly enough, is that networking remains the primary way that people find work. You know, I joke about it, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, but back then it was called the old boys club Mm. and the old boys club had. Uh, men in advantaged positions using their relationships from university and other places, uh, from from social class and, and, and other venues to advantage themselves in search. Now, it's been extended beyond men to women as well, and we call it networking. And in networking, that still remains the primary vehicle that people find work. So that's the unchanged part of this. So much of what's changed uh, relates to how we communicate, uh, how we deal with our clients. And again, I'm out of the search business right now. Uh, so. Uh, I'm working from the perspective of what I'm hearing from others, the amount of data that's available and how we process data. Because back in the day, data existed of a paper resume in a file cabinet that you would attempt to remember someone's name or rummage through a file drawer to find someone. And I remember buying my first PC uh, in the 80s and discovering how easy it was to locate talent. Now, you still had to qualify it. And that part of the recruiter's job remains interesting because there are different ways that you evaluate and assess talent before you refer it to someone. And of course, on the client side, there are differences as well. I'm not sure how your business is, but when I talk to others in the US, I find many of them deal with issues. And again, it depends on the nature of of the search firm, that the executive search firms for whom the personal relationship remains um, pivotal. Mm. And of course, there's the contingency firms where so many of them have been commoditized. Because, and this is true of many of the executive firms as well, the database for everyone has changed. We've progressed from the file drawer to the personalized corporate applicant tracking system mm. to LinkedIn. Yep. And for me, LinkedIn—I was member seventy-six fifty-three on LinkedIn.
0: I checked that out. Yeah, I saw that on your profile, and I thought that was really interesting because I was I was a bit later to it um, than you. But it, it's changed the game, hasn't it? Entirely. I, I and it is it's provided great opportunity for us as recruiters, but also for for individuals who who want to showcase. Uh, their capability and be found for, for interesting things.
1: And that's really the big difference with LinkedIn is the, the capacity to be found more easily mm. and to create a reputation slash brand for yourself that allows people to recognize you as being the leader in your segment of an industry mm. so that search firms of all sorts can reach out to someone. And you can create your own
0: myth yep. around based upon your profile. Well, we're all experts now, aren't we? I mean, everyone can present themselves, and 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 and, and you know, to some extent, it's true. If you if you do something repeatedly, you know more about it than the next guy. You you are an expert, um, but you you've got that ability on LinkedIn to present your expertise and to project it, um, as you say. And I still find it very very you know, I find it strange that that people don't use it. To its full extent, you know that they they went down the route of having a profile, but they don't invest in the profile, um, and maybe they they feel that you know some people will say, oh, you know, if, if I if I do invest in my profile, my my employer will know I'm looking for a job. People aren't that switched on to, to it. You know, everybody is is um, is updating their profile because you should do. You know, it's part of it's a live database, isn't it? You know, it's the most. I always found that was the most interesting thing for for me. You know, in in search, going from a situation where the database was always out of out of date the moment you produced it to a situation where it's self edited and self um, publicized by by the people in the database. I just found that that was crazy.
1: You bet. And one of the things I love for that individual is a little bit frightened. Hmm. cut off your privacy settings so that your connections don't are not notified that you've made a change
0: Yes, of course. because
1: there, there's um, software that many companies use in, in the United States that uses one of the signals of activity uh, as an indicator that a person's looking for a job. Wow. So once they have that signal, they know that you're looking. And the simplest way that they know that is you make a change to your profile. Mm. So just turn off the privacy setting uh, for notification to people that you're connected with. And after you've made the change, after you've written the article, you can change it back. It's that simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I make quite a few changes to mine. So I've always had that off because you would be constantly updating people if you were making just, just little changes to, uh, to the piece. So yeah, it's, it's, it's important not to have those bits turned on. God, one thing that really frustrates me while I'm on my soapbox, um, if you notice this thing of, you know, open to work and that type of thing, you know, previously it was open to opportunities. And yeah, if you, if you actually search by, by that terminology, I did it just to see, uh, to, for my own peace of mind, it was roughly half of the people who say they're open are not open because they're not open to any connections. They have the, they have the, um, on their, on their profile, um, you know, the, the area where you can actually, uh, connect to anyone. They have that turned off and have it on private, which always makes me think, you know, if you, if you want recruiters to actually connect with you, not many of them are going to use an in mail, which is a paid credit in order to reach somebody that they don't know. That much about yet. Uh, it people need to realise it's it's an open networking environment. You can always reject somebody's approach and feel free to do that, you know, in a nice way. Um, but but you're you're missing out on so much if you if you're not genuinely open uh, to connections.
1: So true. Because years ago I heard a wonderful statement that I've said ever since I heard it: the person who gets ahead isn't the smartest or work the hardest. Those are great qualities to have. People get ahead by being alert to opportunity. Sometimes they're internal to their organization, but most of the time they're external. And if you are not responding to recruiters, both corporate and third party, if you're not checking the platform with any
0: regularity, you're missing so much. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. In in my headhunting business, I've always found... You know generally we we head on around the six figure mark and above but on, on occasion i i get asked to to you know there be something strategically important or you know particularly hard to find profile often you know with some sort of technical capability in there that they must have and i'll get asked to do a search around that and i always find it incredibly different between the senior people the ones who have who have made it who are incredibly open to opportunities listen to them all day long and evaluate them, and very kindly dismiss them if they're not right, but they 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 are open, no, no question about it. your boss is open, and then the mid-ranking or sort of you know uh, people that are that are not quite at that level yet are more often closed um or a lot of them are, and you know there, it doesn't take a genius to work out why you know you're not, you're not at the top of the pack because' you, you're, you're literally turned off to, to opportunity in. Um, most decision makers are not. Uh, they're very open to opportunities. We're, we're, you know, that's what being in business is. You know, being being opportunistic in many cases.
1: My show is called No BS Job Search, mm. and I'll, I'll simply say for the mid-level people, they've they've been buying the BS their management has been giving them yeah, for years. Don't talk to those recruiters; they're just evil. Mm. They're awful individuals. Don't talk to them. Mm. And every time there's in inappropriate contact because there are a lot of recruiters who are not particularly capable Mm -hmm. and they're not invested in a career. Uh, Every time there's an inappropriate contact, it reinforces that myth that recruiters are not capable Mm -hmm. versus the leaders who've already developed relationships. Who are always in the position of being open to options. Like there's a wonderful guy I was working with uh, who's an American working in Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. And he was con- referred to me because he was going to start exploring a position stateside. And the first thing he did was contact the search firms with whom he'd have a relationship from the standpoint of hiring, mm. open the doors there, see what was available to them. We started to, uh, to broach his network and he started to have some fabulous interviews mm. and all because one day he decided to reach out to me and i encouraged him go out on a few dates see what happens
0: <laughs> i say the same thing jeff i often say recruiters like dating you know it, it is that sort of you, you you have to let the other party know that you like them for them to like you back and and, and initially it is all about liking you know it's this it's not particularly more complicated than, than that even in you know, we're getting into interviews now. But even in the most senior of interviews that that I've ever put a, put forward, where you know, we're talking about two big hitters, you know, both, you know, on on several hundred thousand pounds each. It it's not, it's not any more complicated at the end when you take the feedback that, that it always starts with whether they liked them or not, and and that yes, a part of it is I like that person for the job, but it's also actually that I like them as a person. In fact, it's more that um, it's that likability factor. Um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not as complicated as it needs to be. They need to know who you are. They need to know that you're interested. So, you know, nobody gets a date if they're not out there, do they? They don't get a, an opportunity if they don't think. If somebody doesn't think you're open uh, to an offer, they won't make you one. You're suggesting that people should cheat? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. No, <laughs> no, not, not at all. No. <laughs> My wife doesn't listen to this, but you know we've been married a long time, so now there's no there's no problem there. But no dating. If I knew, I'm out of my depth when I talk about dating, having been married for 17 years. But I I, I try to make the the analogy. In fact, I did one for um, a, a group of uh, a group of students uh, recently at the University of Westminster, and I was trying to explain to them that they're all into their apps. But none of them are into LinkedIn, by the way. We did a poll at the university, and they, they they're not really engaged with LinkedIn at all and you can understand that because if you're a student, you know you've not reached that level yet, the world of work, and it's not an interesting platform for you. But I try to explain to them again, I was on loose ground here because i don't I've not ever used the dating apps, but I'm aware of them through friends, you know Tinder and things like that, so I said, imagine. You know, it, it really, LinkedIn is your Tinder, but instead of getting dates, you're getting you're getting uh, interviews and offers, and uh, that seemed to that seemed to the the analogy seemed to work. So, I I, I left it at that. But uh, you you've no doubt seen uh, seen more changes in technology and what what have you than than I have, um, because I I mean I remember the days where you know you did get. Um, you know, you you put a post, uh, you posted another in a in a national press, and you got 200 applications, and you literally uh, looked through that pile and uh, evaluated one each uh, on their own, and of course, the one on pink paper did stand out. But but now, as as we as we both know, it's all digital. You have to stand out in a different way, and that's probably through your partly through your LinkedIn profile because. Almost every recruiter, whether they're internal, external, or even a hiring manager, they will cross-reference your application, whatever way that might be, um, or even you're reaching out to them via your LinkedIn profile, and they place a value on what they see. They make a value judgment on what they see on your LinkedIn profile. Um, I, believe, I believe you had a recent guest on who pointed
1: out the foolishness of people who have a LinkedIn profile and a resume that are not congruent. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Yeah. It's the most astonishing thing. And every, you know, when I was doing search, the first thing I would do is go to the LinkedIn profile and well, actually, the second thing, the first one was I checked my own database because mm. uh, I I uh, had a, a substantial one. And I was always fascinated by the jobs that have disappeared.
0: Yes, me too. And,
1: uh, you know, it's so easy to expose, uh, shall
0: we say, uh, mistakes mm. <laughs> that people commit. It, they, they should be I hear other people saying, oh, they're they're completely different documents. you know they're completely different um, your CV to to LinkedIn profile. and and there is some you know for people who aren't looking for a job, they they are perhaps trying to sell a service through their LinkedIn profile or whatever. Yes, there's an argument to say that what you're projecting is um, and it, and it is a, a network that's not just about recruitment you can project something else. but but in terms of the the career history that it asks you to provide, that should be the same. Um, and in terms of the level of seniority that you had, that should be the same. Um, the, the great advantage for job seekers on, on LinkedIn is you've got so much more uh, space. You've got 2000 characters for each job that you, you've undertaken. And if you fill those out thoroughly, then your, your, your profile becomes richer, more searchable and more expert at the things that you actually are an expert in.
1: Yes, and you can also create links to content that you create. Mm -hmm. So if you write or treat it as a blog, it will be linked to your profile. If if you share video or podcasts, it becomes linked to the profile, Mm -hmm. which gives people a perspective of you uh, much more rich Mm -hmm. than the flat resume might. So people make these mistakes all the time of not really thinking strategically about a career. And it's that absence of forethought that causes them to lurch with their network from job search to job search without any cohesive strategy, without maintaining relationships, without building an image brand reputation for themselves that's public Mm. which to me is the missing ingredient for a lot of people they're not public enough with what it is that they do and what their successes have been so they're invisible Mm. they become the well-kept secret as i believe uh, one of my recent podcasts was and no one should be a well-kept secret you should be known because we live in a celebrity culture, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. The age of narcissism, it is certainly the case. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you want opportunities to come your way, you, you definitely need to be available to, to be found for those opportunities. And I think LinkedIn is, is you know, very much the, uh, the marketplace now to be found as an individual for whatever it is, uh, whether you're selling something or, or you're selling yourself in terms of a job search, it's, it, is, it is the platform. Um, you know, the platform of choice. Uh, What would you do today? How do you think, see things as different? You've you've obviously Jeff, lived through probably a number of recessions. Um, I'm guessing you guys, your your numbers on, uh, on employment look pretty bad. I think they're bouncing a bit, but probably similar to here, there's going to be a situation where in that sort of classic advertised job space, there's going to be, you know, less advertisements uh, and more people chasing them. Um, i I talk about the hidden job market a lot, which just means jobs that are unadvertised and I haven't advertised a job in ten years, and most people in search don't advertise their jobs because it just doesn't work we We like to go direct. Um, what would you what would you say to people who are you know searching in today's environment? what would they do differently, or what would there would be the sort of key things that you think were going gonna help their job search?
1: So for the immediate period. What I'm finding is there are many advertised positions and there are many unadvertised positions. I've helped a number of coaching clients find work, including people who were unemployed preceding COVID. And then of course, COVID collapsed everything. So the idea is to be available, to put yourself out, use your network of relationships to start talking to people without coming across as being one of those people who's just, give, give, give me, give me, give me, <laughs> I need, I need, and be someone who recultivates relationships with people that you haven't been in contact with for a while. From there, I'm going to also think longer term and say you have to start thinking about whether your job is going to exist in the next five to 10 years with the impact of AI and start planning now for some of the changes that will occur. If folks start reading material from the World Economic Forum, the U.S. looks pretty complicated in the next few years. Um, you know The degree to which people are machine learning or AI capable in the U.S. is pretty small. And in many professions, that will disappear based upon the impact of AI and machine learning. So folks need to start being proactive as to whether or not their career will be impacted by this. Mm. and start laying a plan for yourself. Now, you can see me, you can tell I'm not 24 anymore. (laughs) I'm going to be able to ride this out. But for a lot of people who are younger, I would say probably your age and younger, it's going to be pretty tough to ride out the next period of time until retirement, given some of the changes that are being forecast. So be proactive with this, get the training, develop the experiences necessary to rebrand yourself, even if you have to pay for it, mm. which is always a very painful thing for people to hear, but your institution has got to do it.
0: Yeah, I think you've got to invest in yourself. It, it, it's amazing, isn't it? That's, there's a big difference. Again, you, you see the people that invest in themselves, invest in their professional and personal development, um, You know, you, they tend to do well. Um, people that that don't and and aren't willing to tend to sort of stand still. So there is, yeah, I, it is a mentality change. But I find that people, you know, will lap up anything that's sort of free. But when it comes to uh, something they need to to pay for, sometimes they're they're less likely to to go for it. But yeah, there's 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 definitely uh, there's definitely a, a sort of correlation between the two, in my view. You know, invest in yourself, and you will reap the rewards. That's that, that's how it works.
1: Yes, and for now. For job hunters, you have to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. This is the time because as we're recording this, we're close to the fourth quarter of 2020. And my experience is, is if you're unemployed, as it enters into 2021, you may lose your career. Mm -hmm. Because firms start to wonder whether or not you were capable and why didn't you get back to work when things started to open up. So for many uh White-collar professionals, as we call them the United States, uh, that $100,000 a year person and above, if you're out of work come 2021, it's going to be hard for you to reenter. So the push really needs to happen now. And as we're recording this, it's almost a time where calendar year corporations start to finalize budgets in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's still the possibility where you can get written into a budget from a friend of yours who might be in a leadership role this is a time to make that connection uh and see if you can get yourself with them. And if not, just stay in touch because the next wonderful period of time for networking is fast approaching, mm-hmm. which is the end of the year with the Christmas holidays. Yeah.
0: So we can, yeah, that's how we can all mingle at that point. But um, yeah, I take your, take your view. There's, there's certainly a lot of people out there who have, you know, come out of a big role and, and I having a period of transition as we call it but they have to stay active you know that there is a full-time job there for them in finding their next job but there may all be what may also be other opportunities where they can keep the skills relevant and 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 stay relevant and stay visible by doing doing pieces on linkedin of course but also getting involved in other people's projects maybe in a limited way maybe doing some non-exec type stuff all of the things that that uh, keep the Keep the the, the skill set going. Maybe develop it further and keep you visible. Um, I think that those guys who are, you know, out and have been out of an organization for a while, you know, really need to do that to, uh, as much for their own peace of mind as anything else. Um, any final thoughts, Jeff? On on on, you know, anything that you would you would suggest that people should be thinking of if they're in the difficult situation of trying to find their next role right now?
1: One thing I always remind people of is that the skills needed to find a job are different than those needed to do a job. Mm -hmm. And particularly with regard to interviewing, most job hunters are complete amateurs. They go to interviews and they wing it, a U.S. expression that basically translates into they figure out the answer in the the moment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it is uh, in other sports, but in every U.S. sport, all the, great, uh, all the great athletes practice, mm. and every great entertainer rehearses, and every job hunter goes on interviews, and the first time the words ever come out of their mouth, the first time they've ever answered that question is at the interview, and then they wonder why they don't get the job. Mm. You can't act like an amateur. Professionals do things that other people don't do, and they're able to demonstrate them at the drop of a hat. You have to be that person who practices rehearses, and can deliver spontaneously without appearing to be rehearsed. Mm. It makes a world of difference
0: yeah i couldn't agree more it's amazing how how yeah I think most people we 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 use the expression here too you know they they think they're their sort of, you know, innate talent will take them through. But of course, if another person is there who who has practiced, you know, the, the classic sort of tell me about yourself and they can, they can tell you, uh, tell, tell somebody about themselves in a coherent, compelling way that only lasts, say three minutes uh, and has great impact. That's a big difference from somebody who sort of ums and ahs and, you know, makes it up on the on the hoof and uh, it doesn't really come across as as compelling uh or as uh interesting as a well-practiced story i always say that you know there's a good example if if you've, you've got a really great story f- that you tell your friends the first time you tell it it's you know it's funny but uh, you know the the 15th time you tell it you know you're killing everyone aren't you because it, it is you've honed it it's now a a, a well-used tool and of course you're you know, your personal value proposition, your tell me about yourself answer, and indeed some of the pieces around your particular skill set, leadership, whatever else you should have some well-honed stories that you're very, very good at telling um, and you know the reaction you're going to get from your audience each time you uh, each time you bring those ones out so that's that's another great example jeff yes thank you very much for that jeff i really appreciate your time and and your 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 enthusiasm and for coming on the show really great i, I was uh, really pleased that you said yes and i uh, having concluded the uh, the conversation i'm really 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 grateful that you came on
1: my pleasure glad to serve your audience and uh, folks i'll just simply say in conclusion if you want to find out more jobsearchtv.com will take you to my YouTube channel uh, on an Amazon set. Uh, So a fire TV, a fire stick, Roku, look for the Job Search TV app. You can watch me there. If you have a smart set, download the Job Search TV app as well. Uh, there are 90-some-odd TV platforms around the world that that's available. And, of course, noBS OBS Job Search Advice Radio.
0: Perfect. Yes, all of those, all were worth uh, taking in. So please do that. Jeff, thank you very much for, for your time. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Well, Jeff was great there, wasn't he? 40 years of recruitment experience and lots and lots of podcasting, nearly 2,000 of them, um, all devoted to job searching, interviewing and all of those things. So he knows a thing or two. And I thought it was really interesting that he focuses on the networking aspect of things as being the route to market that works best. And I I completely agree. Um, If you want to learn how to do that, how to network your way into your ideal role, then I would strongly recommend you have a look at my premium course, because really that's what it's all about. It's about unlocking the hidden job market, being visible, making sure that you're making the right approaches to the right people in the right way in order to unlock opportunities. And then once you have those opportunities to convert them via great interview process, tactics, strategies, and negotiation to get the best possible deal for you. You will find that at www.careermovesecrets.com, along with a load of other free resources that you can uh, can take me up on. So please do that. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon.